0: dear friends, and welcome once again to the cosy fireside of the Great Library of Dreams. That's it, come on in. If you would care to step this way, there is, as ever, a place, and indeed a seat, reserved just for you. Now then, last time we met, I read you a curious 19th century news report concerning the capture, allegedly, of a real-life flesh-eating ghoul in rural Ireland and I thought a suitable follow-up would be a classic weird tale concerning these terrible feasters on the dead. However, the question was, which one do I pick? For there have been many rather good eerie tales written about these strange haunters of cemeteries and graveyards. I considered several, however, in the end, I thought I'd pick a tale which rather nicely, I think, reflects and indeed captures the legendary origins of the ghoul. For the word ghoul comes into the English language via the translation of ancient Arabic literature, most notably One Thousand and One Nights. Yes, the same collection of stories that gave us Tales of Sinbad and Ali Baba. Now, Thousand and One Nights, also known simply as The Arabian Nights, was a hugely influential book on the pioneers of modern-day fantasy and horror fiction. For example, writer William Beckford was inspired to write Vathtec, an Arabian tale, one of the first Gothic novels. While somewhat more recently, H.P. Lovecraft was a huge fan, and his love of these ancient Arabian stories inspired him to create Abdul Alhazred, The author of the Dread Necronomicon. Another writer and a great friend of Lovecraft, who was also enamoured of One Thousand and One Nights, was Clark Ashton Smith, a writer who wrote a great many tales concerning various ancient and mythical places. And in the tale I have for you tonight, Smith gives us a story set in ancient Arabia. It first appeared in an amateur publication, one of the very first fanzines, called The Fantasy Fan, and appeared in the issue for January 1934. It was later reprinted in his Arkham House collection, Other Dimensions. It concerns a meeting with one of the legendary corpse eaters and the terrible consequences which follow. It's a very fine little tale, and Smith, I think, has done an excellent job in weaving a story that does actually sound and feel like an authentic old legend. Like many old folk stories, it's a tale that is fairly simply told, with Clark Ashton Smith very much paring back his usual poetic flourishes, and while it may be brief, it is, I think you'll find, satisfyingly eerie and will bring a pleasing chill to a summer evening. The Ghoul by Clark Ashton Smith During the reign of the Caliph Havatek, a young man of good repute and family, named Nureddin Hassan, was hauled before the Qadi Ahmed ben Bekirah at Bussara. Now Nureddin was a comely youth, of open mind and gentle mien, and great was the astonishment of the Qadi, and all others present, when they heard the charges that were preferred against him. He was accused of having slain seven people, one by one, on seven successive nights, and of having left the corpses in a cemetery near Bussorah, where they were found lying with their bodies and members, devoured in a fearsome manner, as if by jackals. Of the people he was said to have slain, three were women, two were travelling merchants, one was a mendicant, and one a gravedigger. Ahmed ben Bakar was filled with the learning and wisdom of honourable years, and withal was possessed of much perspicacity. But he was deeply perplexed by the strangeness and atrocity of these crimes, and by the mild demeanour and well-bred aspect of Nureddin Hassan, which he could in no wise reconcile with them. He heard in silence the testimony of witnesses who had seen Nureddin bearing on his shoulders the body of a woman at yester-eve in the cemetery, and others who on several occasions had observed him coming from the neighbourhood at unseemly hours, when only thieves and murderers would be abroad. Then, having considered all of these, he questioned the youth closely. "'Noradin Hassan,' he said, "'thou hast been charged with crimes of exceeding foulness, which thy bearing and liniments belie.' "'Is there haply some explanation of these things "'by which thou canst clear thyself, "'or in some measure mitigate the heinousness of thy deeds? "'If so be it that thou art guilty, "'I abjure thee to tell me the truth in this matter.' "'Now Nureddin Hassan arose before the Qadi, "'and the heaviness of extreme shame and sorrow "'was visible on his countenance. "'Alas, O Qadi,' he replied, FOR THE CHARGES THAT HAVE BEEN BROUGHT AGAINST ME ARE INDEED TRUE. IT WAS I AND NO OTHER WHO SLEW THESE PEOPLE, NOR CAN I OFFER AN EXTENUATION OF MY ACT. The Cardi was sorely grieved, and astonished when he heard this answer. I must for first believe thee, he said sternly, but thou hast confessed a thing which will make thy name henceforward an abomination in the ears and mouths of men.' I command thee to tell me why these crimes were committed, and what offence these persons had given thee, or what injury they had done to thee, or if perchance thou slewest them for gain, like a common robber.' There was neither offence nor injury wrought by any of them against me, replied Noureddin, and I did not kill them for their money or belongings or apparel, since I had no need of such things, and aside from that, have always been an honest man.' "'Then,' cried Ahmed ben Bakar, greatly puzzled, "'what was thy reason, if it was none of these?' Now the face of Nareddin Hassan grew heavier still with sorrow, and he bowed his head in a shameful manner that bespoke of the utterness of profound remorse, and standing thus before the Qadi, he told this story.' The reversals of fortune, O oh Kadi, are swift and grievous, and beyond the foreknowing or advertence of man. Alas, for less than a fortnight agone, I was the happiest and most guiltless of mortals, with no thought of wrong-doing toward any one. I was wedded to Amina, the daughter of the jewel merchant Abdul Kogia, and I loved her deeply and was much beloved by her in turn and, moreover, we were at this time anticipating the birth of our first child. I had inherited from my father a rich estate and many slaves. The cares of life were light upon my shoulders, and I had, it would seem, every reason to count myself among those Allah had blessed with an earthly foretaste of heaven. Judge then the excessive nature of my grief, when Amina died in the same hour when she was to have been delivered, from that time, in the dire extremity of my lamentation, I was as one bereft of light and knowledge. I was deaf to all those who sought to condole with me, and blind to their friendly offices. After the burial of Amina, my sorrow became a veritable madness, and I wandered by night to her grave in the cemetery near Busora, And flung myself prostrate before the newly lettered tombstone on the earth that had been digged that very day. My senses deserted me, and I knew not how long I remained on the damp clay beneath the cypresses, while the horn of a decrescent moon arose in the heavens. Then, in my stupor of abandonment, I heard a terrible voice which bade me rise from the ground on which I was lying and lifting my head a little, I saw a hideous demon of gigantic frame and stature, with eyes of scarlet fire beneath brows that were coarse as tangled rootlets, and fangs that overhung a cavernous mouth and earth-black teeth, longer and sharper than those of the hyena. And the demon said to
1: me, "'I am a ghoul.' and it is my office to devour the bodies of the dead i have now come to claim the corpse that was interred today beneath the soil on which thou art lying in a fashion so unmannerly begone for i have fasted since yesternight and i am much a-hungered now at the sight of this demon
0: and the sound of his dreadful voice and the still more dreadful meaning of his words, I was like to have swooned with terror on the cold clay. But I recovered myself in a manner, and besought him, saying, Spare this grave, I implore thee, for she who lies buried therein is dearer to me than any living mortal, and I would not that her fair body should be the provender of an unclean demon such as thou. At this the ghoul was angered, and I thought that he would have done me some bodily violence. But again I besought him, swearing by Allah and Mohammed, with many solemn oaths, that I would grant him anything procurable, and do for him any favour that lay in the power of man, if he would leave undespoiled the newly made grave of Amina. And the ghoul was somewhat mollified,
1: and he said, If thou wilt indeed perform for me a certain service, I shall do as thou hast.
0: And I replied, There is no service, whatsoever its nature, that I will not do for thee in this connection, and I pray thee, name thy desire. Then the ghoul
1: said, It is this, that thou shalt bring me each night, for eight successive nights, the body of one whom thou hast slain with thine own hand. Do this, and I shall neither devour nor dig the body that lies interred hereunder.
0: Now I was seized by utter horror and despair, since I had bound myself in all honour to grant the ghoul his hideous requirement, and I begged him to change the terms of the stipulation, saying to him, Is it needful to thee, O eater of corpses, that the body should be those of people whom I myself have slain? And the ghoul said,
1: Yea, for all others would be the natural provender of myself, or of my kin in any event. I abjure thee by the promise thou hast given to meet me here tomorrow night, when darkness has wholly fallen, or as soon thereafter as thou art able, bringing the first of the eight bodies.
0: So saying... He strode off among the cypresses and began to dig another newly made grave at a little distance from that of Amina. I left the graveyard in even direr anguish than when I had come, thinking of that which I must do in fulfilment of my sworn promise to preserve the body of Amina from the demon. I know not how I survived the ensuing day, torn as I was between sorrow from the dead and my horror of the coming night with its repugnant duty. When darkness descended, I went forth by stealth to a lonely road near the cemetery, and waiting there amid low-grown branches of the trees, I slew the first passer with a sword, and carried his body to the spot appointed by the ghoul. And each night thereafter, for six more nights, I returned to the same vicinity and repeated this deed, slaying always the very first who came, "'whether man or woman, merchant or beggar or grave-digger. "'And the ghoul awaited me on each occasion, "'and would begin to devour his provender in my presence "'with small thanks and scant ceremony. Seven persons did I slay in all, "'till only one was wanting to complete the agreed number, "'and the person I slew yesterday night was a woman, "'even as the witnesses have testified.' All this I did with utmost repugnance and regret, and sustained only by the remembrance of my plighted word and the fate which would befall the corpse of Amina if I should break the bond. This, O Cardi, is all my story. Alas, for these lamentable crimes have availed me not, and I have failed wholly in keeping my bargain with the demon, who will doubtless this night "'consume the body of Amina in lieu of the one corpse that is still lacking. "'I resign myself to thy judgment, O Ahmed ben Bakar, "'and I beseech thee for no other mercy than that of death, "'wherewith to terminate my double grief and my twofold remorse.' "'When Nurreddin Hassan had ended his narrative, "'the amazement of all who had heard him was verily multiplied.' since no man could remember hearing a stranger tale, and the Kadi pondered for a long time, and then gave judgment, saying, I must needs marvel at thy story, but the crimes thou hast committed are none the less heinous, and Iblis himself would stand aghast before them. However, some allowance must be made for the fact that thou hadst given thy word to the ghoul, and was bound to it, as were in honour, to fulfil his demand, no matter how horrible its nature. An allowance must likewise be made for thy connubial grief, which caused thee to forfend thy wife's body from the demon. Yet I cannot judge thee guiltless, though I know not the punishment which is merited in a case so utterly without parallel. Therefore I set thee free, with this injunction, that thou shalt make atonement for thy crimes in the fashion that seemeth best to thee, and shalt render justice to thyself and to others in such degree as thou art able. I thank thee for this mercy, replied Noureddin Hassan, and then he withdrew from the court, amid the wonderment of all who were present. There was much debate when he had gone, and many were prone to question the wisdom of the Cardi's decision. Some there were who maintained that Noureddin should have been sentenced to death without delay for his abominable actions, though others argued for of the sanctity of his oath to the ghoul, and would have exculpated him altogether, or in part. Tales were told, and instances were cited regarding the habits of ghouls, and the strange plight of men who would surprise such demons in their nocturnal delvings. And again, the discussion returned to Nureddin, and the judgment of the Kadi was once more upheld or assailed with divers' arguments. But amid all this, Ahmed ben Bakar was silent, saying only, "'Wait, or this man will render justice to himself and to all others concerned.' as far as the rendering thereof is possible. So indeed it happened, for on the morning of the next day another body was found in the cemetery near Basora, lying half-devoured on the grave of Nureddin Hassan's wife, Amina. And the body was that of Nureddin, self-slain, who in this manner had not only fulfilled the injunction of the Qadi, but had also kept his bargain with the ghoul by providing the required number
1: of corpses.
0: This podcast was produced by Mr. Jim Moon with music from the Eldritch Light Orchestra. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review or a rating so other people can find it. If you really like the show, consider buying us a coffee at coffee.com slash hypnagoria or becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash hypnagoria where subscribers can get exclusive new shows every month and access the patreon only podcasting vault for more nonsense call into our site hypnagoria.com where you can find all manner of essays and articles on the weird and the wonderful plus my other podcasts plus links to youtube and all the usual social media gubbins This has been a Great Library of Dreams production.